This program features interviews with respected healthcare industry experts on current topics of substantial national importance. Your host for the program is David Intricasso, a DC-based healthcare policy analyst and researcher. We invite you to comment on the program by visiting thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Now, here's David. Welcome to the Healthcare Policy Podcast. Again, I'm the host, David Intricasso. During this podcast, we'll discuss the Utah Alliance for the Determinants of Health, led by Intermountain Health. With me to discuss the alliance is Intermountain Health's Senior Vice President for Community Health, Ms. Mikkel Moore. Mikkel, welcome to the program. Thank you, David. It's a pleasure to be here. Ms. Moore's bio is, of course, posted on the podcast website. Briefly on background, it is well recognized that health care, or more accurately, medical care, only accounts for approximately 25% of an individual's health status, while social circumstances and environmental factors account for approximately 20%. Social factors of social determinants therefore largely explain why the poor, moreover minorities, disproportionately suffer the burden of disease. For example, per AHRQ, the Agency of Healthcare Research and Quality's 2017 Healthcare Quality and Disparities Report, among Hispanics, for example, measures of hospital admissions for hypertension, angina, and for long-term complications from diabetes and uncontrolled diabetes are all three times higher than the average. Specific to the state of Utah, a disproportionate number of Hispanic women, for example, do not receive timely pap smears or mammograms. To help address social factors that, again, contribute to poor health status, the Medicare program in 2016 launched in 31 locations a demonstration termed Accountable Health Communities, designed to fund organizations to assist beneficiaries with either accessing community health services or ensuring community services are available to address their health-related social needs. With me again to discuss Intermountain's efforts to address social determinants via their Utah Alliance for the Determinants of Health is again Ms. Mikkel Moore. So with that as somewhat lengthy uh, background introduction, Mikkel, let me start with a related albeit uh, important question. Uh, the state of Utah has for the last five years attempted to expand Medicaid. What can you tell me is the status of that? I understand it's on your November 6th ballot. We do. And prior to what's coming ahead of us here, we have not expanded Medicaid in Utah other than for a small population of homeless individuals. And they it appears that there is really a public interest in seeing Medicaid expansion occur. Uh, so it is on the ballot, and we'll see what voters say about the opportunity to expand Medicaid. It will then be upon the legislature, if it does pass, to determine how exactly to implement that. Um, in the meantime, there is a, uh, a waiver that our state has submitted to do some additional expansion, but it still wouldn't be the broad expansion that other states have expanded have done. So um, a lot hanging in the balance here in Utah, certainly. Thank you. And just to add a detail, so currently the Medicaid program, per my study, is for uh, income up to 60%. Uh, This would expand it to the ACA 138% of the poverty level and the estimates are it will expand Medicaid enroll, the number of Medicaid enrollees in Utah by approximately one-third to one-half. And 
My understanding is it looks like this will pass. What's your uh, What's your handicap? <laughs> um, you know, I, our uh, policy leader today said he thinks it's going to be close and it's not going to pass. I've been with you. I, I do think it will pass. Okay. So well, it's going to be close. Right. We'll see. All right. Very good. Let's go to, again, the Utah Alliance for Determinants of Health, this initiative uh, that your organization has led. What, of course, uh, question, uh, what prompted uh, Intermountain to launch this initiative? Well, Intermountain really is trying to improve health outcomes for our country. We recognize that we're spending a significant portion of our gross domestic product on health care, and yet our life expectancy is decreasing and and, and that's true, you know, even in our community here in Utah. And we really wanted to, there's a lot of discussion right now about the social determinants of health, as you indicated. I think we have broad awareness that there's a lot of things contributing to our health outcomes in our country that don't are not solved through access to health care, which is an area that we've focused on for a long time here. Um, and we really wanted to lend uh a hand, I guess, in the effort to try to improve that situation for our country by doing a demonstration project here in Utah that wouldn't just look at um, kind of how do we improve housing, how do we improve food access for people, because we know it's the right thing to do. Let's do that, and let's figure out how to demonstrate that there's an economic model that could be sustained by doing that. So this demonstration project is really looking at our own select health um, plan, where we have about 100,000 members enrolled in the Medicaid product, where we wanted to, with a specific specific population, where we could look at all the data uh, around that population, how investments in housing, food security, behavioral health, and the needs of an individual could contribute to medical savings as well as improved medical outcomes. And um, we're really seeking to, through the demonstration, apply our own learning across our service area within Medicaid, within other products. Select Health also offers Medicare, individual exchange products, commercial, et cetera. Um, but we're constructing it in a way that we hope it lends value to the rest of the country. Um, you mentioned the accountable health communities model and other innovations that have been funded through public and private uh, sector innovations. We're modeling after what has already been done, but building a construct that we hope is uh, builds sustainability and believe that can lend to the national conversation as well. I'll just comment briefly that, you know, in our community, I think a lot of people think of Utah as a homogeneous population, wouldn't necessarily have some of the problems of poverty that urban, big urban areas have, and yet we see the same disparity in health outcomes that other cities do. Um, when we when we look at um, life expectancy or prevalence of different health conditions, it maps up completely with variation in education, income, quality of housing, and so on. And we have, at Intermountain, as a not-for-profit system with a really a, an ability to work with most of the populations in Utah, we've, we've got health care accessible 
within miles of each person's home in Utah. Um, we've long had a, a rich financial assistance policy, put clinics in places that didn't have medical service, and have partnerships with 52 different safety net clinics across the state to ensure that people have access to health care. And yet, we still see this disparity. So we knew we needed to be a part of looking uh, looking at the situation in a way that went far beyond facilitating access to health care. Great. Thank you. I I appreciate you noting the uh, declining uh, lifespan Interesting uh, fact, over the last, actually, three years, largely due in part, of course, to the opioid epidemic. Let's get into um, implementation. So, uh, and I should say, too, as you suggested, uh, Intermountain is obviously well built out throughout the state of Utah. So let's get into the the details of implementation. So you selected initially to work in Ogden and St. George. So can you provide some details why there, over what period of time, and specifically how you'll address these social determinants. When we uh, went about this, we really wanted to be looking at our own health data to help us understand where there was opportunity to improve health outcomes, but wanted to commingle that data, if you will, with other information that might give us insight into opportunities through influencing the social determinants, how can we improve those health outcomes? So in partnership with the state, we were able to integrate data from that we had from our health plan with data about how people were utilizing the SNAP program or the food stamp program within our state. And, and that was really as a result of a discussion with lots of different agencies about what's the right data to be looking at. Should we be looking at housing data? Should we be looking at WIC, SNAP, intergenerational poverty? Really, what should we, we look at? And, and we agreed with our state partners that the SNAP program would probably give us the greatest insight into um, other welfare programs that people were dependent on and and where they lived and 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 how we might choose a place-based approach to in, uh, addressing the social determinants to influence medical outcomes. So we use SNAP data as kind of a proxy for housing, WIC, and other programs and overlay that with our own health data. That then, um, using a number of factors, I won't go into all the criteria, we put every zip code in Utah into a decile, so um, into 10 different deciles from top to bottom in terms of where there was the greatest opportunity to influence health outcomes by investing in the social determinants. And primarily, we were looking at uh, total health care spend and emergency department use for ambulatory sensitive conditions as, um, as the impact areas we're hoping to have from a health perspective. Mm-hmm. And that led us to looking at a number of different areas. As you would imagine, that didn't concentrate only in the north part of the state or the south part of the state. There were zip codes kind of all along the I-15 corridor, if you will, where we could see uh, opportunity. So we then had a qualitative discussion about where do we have communities that are ready to work with the healthcare organization in this endeavor. This isn't something that we wanted to be coming to the community as in our mountain or as a health plan as Select Health saying, here, let's work together to save medical expense. That really wasn't the, the connotation we wanted this to have or the feeling we wanted to have. We wanted this to be about 
we can see the healthcare aspect of this, and we're pretty sure you can see these other aspects. How can we bring our best thinking and our best uh, resources together as communities? And so we had interviews with five different counties, um, understanding what they were working on. We, we already had relationships all across the state, given our um, work from a community health perspective. And really, you know, we're just going to existing friends, if you will, talking with them about what's already underway. If we were to plug in to that, could we have a multiplying effect in our potential impact? And that's how Ogden and St. George really began to emerge. These are communities where there are specific zip codes that have opportunity for addressing equities and disparity, where we think we can improve health outcomes by addressing housing food, transportation, violence, other issues, and there are community partners who absolutely wanted to work with us in that, and that really created the magic, if you will, for for selecting these two communities. There are also communities where the governor and lieutenant governor had identified significant populations of intergenerational poverty that they're looking to disrupt, and, and we wanted to be supportive of, of what our state is trying to work on across um, across the state as well. Okay, thank you. Um, I'm Torin. I have two questions. One is I mentioned the accountable uh, health communities, and you note in your materials uh, that you're in some sense extent modeling after that model. But more substantially, my question is: under that model, there are two tracks. One is providing navigation services to assist high-risk bennies under the Medicare demo uh, access services. And one is this uh, higher uh, threshold to, uh, to meet, which is ensure community services are available to these Medicaid select health uh, beneficiaries. So to what extent uh, are you trying to uh, marry or match uh, the demand with the supply? So the answer is we're really, when we say we're looking at the accountable health communities, we wanted to learn as much as possible from the construct that was created uh, for that program. And even though results really aren't out yet um, in in great detail, we've had a, a lot of conversations with people who are in the accountable health communities model to learn from their experience. And our aspirations are to do both tracks with this demonstration project. Um, We created a construct where we will, in the populations we're looking to serve, um, it's two zip codes in Ogden, two zip codes in St. George, we will screen for the social determinants of health in multiple settings, um, healthcare settings for sure, but also in uh, individual homes, through community health workers, and in community partners settings of providing care. Once we've screened, we will then provide assistance. We have a two-on-one system that we can connect with, and we're in discussions with that system right now about how we can augment it. Um, We are bringing a digital resource. We are willing, if you will, to bring a digital resource to the table that takes two-on-one beyond what it is today in our state of, of just referring people to services to creating a closed-loop referral capability so that when a person is screened and identified to have a food or housing need, 
we will then create um, that referral but have a closed loop assistance. We know already of some gaps and uh, and that gets us to the third part of this. If we are aware of a problem, we provide assistance, but then we see gaps, we need to create greater alignment. Um, we will create some of that alignment with funding Intermountain has committed to this work to enable solving some of the gaps that are identified. So, for example, um, we've, we've identified some simple gaps like uh, food is not available for diabetics in a code because the housing or the, excuse me, the food bank doesn't have refrigeration capability. They're just able to provide food that really isn't as suitable to a diabetic. Mm -hmm. We'll come in with some of our resources to put in refrigeration and ensure that we're able to further enable our partner, the food bank, to meet their uh, ability to, to address the need. More complex problems are also surfacing. Um, there are behavioral health providers trying to serve Medicaid beneficiaries, and then there are uh, physical clinic providers who are trying to serve those, and they're operating out of different clinics. They don't have an integrated approach to delivering behavioral, behavioral health and physical health care, as well as substance use treatment. So we are looking at ways that we can help enable an integrated clinic to be built in St. George. And that'll take a little longer to create the physical solution, um, but we think through some of the data sharing um, that will create on the uh, digital platform, we can enable some early work together before we have the physical setting. So um, we're really trying to do all aspects of the accountable health community with this model by focusing on a small population and trying to learn and apply it uh, within that population. Okay, great. I was going to ask you specifically about BHI or behavioral health integration, so I'm glad you noted that. That's always a... a, a daunting uh, task and, and we've not had a great deal of success. You mentioned in the intro interest in spreading or uh, demonstrating um, learning and to try to uh, see this uh, effort, this alliance work appear elsewhere. You note in your materials you've partnered with Levitt Partners about how you're going to measure uh, success or the initiative's activities. So you get into, and you did mention specifically ambulatory sensitive ED visits, so that I'm sure is one you'll track, but how else are you going to uh, measure program activity and success? So we are building out the evaluation um, right now. The, the demonstration actually starts January 1st, and so there's some of this that's still being developed. We know we will, as you um, you know, as we already indicated, we will be looking at ambulatory sensitive conditions that present in the emergency department. We'll also be looking at hospital admissions or hospital days, um, and we'll look at total cost of care, though we imagine that will fluctuate, you know, a lot um, in the population anyway. And so we're really uh, envisioning that we report our outcomes on a continuous basis internally and uh, externally quarterly so that we are sharing that information with our partners and with others. Um, we're also working with our community partners on what will be our leading indicators that tell us our processes are working. You know, as we've described, this model of um, 
assessing and navigating people to resources or assistance and then creating that alignment, what will our process measures be that tell us we're actually doing the hard work of connecting people to resources along the way that should then have the lagging impact on reducing emergency department use? Um, we know, for example, um, we will be using community health workers or navigators. We haven't quite arrived at uh, what terminology we'll use. Um, but measuring their activity and impact along the way will be important. We're also working with our behavioral health partners, substance use partners, around what will their measures be that will tell them that this is making an impact. Um, one of the measures we're considering, for example, is whether a person shows up for a behavioral health visit multiple times. Uh, we know that's associated with continuity of care and, and maintaining health for someone who's had a behavioral health diagnosis. So still working on what will those specific measures be um, with our partners. But it's very important to us that the way we go about measuring is rigorous. Um, we think it's important that we have an independent evaluator who is recognized by our state leadership here as valid and a independent evaluator who uh, can be well regarded by others in the country for the way we go about evaluating here makes sense so the way we might apply this or compare to other accountable uh, health communities type of work going on. So we are actually in the process of building out a team that working with Levitt partners um, but also working with some others who will ensure that we have that state and national perspective on uh, creating evaluation metrics that provide meaning to the community at a, in a broad way. Thank you. I was particularly interested in, in, in your response. I served as the HRQ evaluation officer for seven years. So this reminds me of, you know, you have to get the question right. And evaluation is both on, is all about uh, theory, process, and uh, outcomes all combined. So you mentioned navigators. Just as a clarifier, um, you know, these more generically are termed community health workers. So some variation of, of that skill uh, you'll employ? Yes. And, and uh, we're really interested in ensuring that um, they are not only seen as health-oriented, but focused on addressing housing and food and, and other things. And so we're being thoughtful about letting our community partners help us choose what the term is. Um, so that they're seen as right. assisters for the, the birth of issues, not just for healthcare needs. Right, and this it's important to have sort of a, a, a bottom-up uh, aspect to this, uh, certainly it as is. well. It's, it is. That's, I think that's really um, fundamental to our success, is that this isn't something we're doing here at Intermountain. This is something we're doing in Ogden and St. George, and we're doing in Utah together because we care about improving the health of our community. Sure, sure. And one other question relative to your launching in January. What's, what's the schedule for this? You'll persist at this for how long? We're committed to this uh, from a demonstration project for three years. Mm -hmm. We've said that we will fund $2 million per year in each community for three years, so a total of $12 million to help uh, address those gaps and create the alignment that we're looking for. 
It's really our hope, though, that we begin to spread and scale this work before the three years is over, mm-hmm. and that this is just the beginning of delivering care differently in collaboration with our community. Right, absolutely. I'll note also your Medicaid program. You mentioned Select Health uh, State runs Medicaid ACOs, uh, and there are, I believe, four in some. So they'll have a interest since they're paying they're paid a capitated rate. Correct. Correct. Right. Yes. So that uh, that's important. So, um, Kel, we're at our time. So I appreciate this overview. Uh, interesting program, alliance, well worth pursuing. In fact, my congratulations for launching this, and I wish you every success. Thank you very much, David. We appreciate the opportunity to talk with you today. You have just heard another edition of the Healthcare Policy Podcast, hosted by David Intricasso. To comment on this program or others, to see information about upcoming interviews, to suggest a program topic, or to hear an archive program, please visit our website, thehealthcarepolicypodcast.com. Thank you for listening, and please listen again soon.